Welcome to Reliance's Sunday Sermon. Worship with us at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Heavenly Father, we come and we just say you're good and your mercy endures forever. God, right now there are some that are just feeling the pressure of life, but yet your word is true that your goodness goes from one generation to the next. And so, God, I pray that in this house today, as we declare your praise and your goodness, begin to work on hearts right now, hearts that feel like they're in torment, hearts that feel like they're in affliction. God, hearts that have been hanging on to worry, hearts that have been hanging on to fear. Today, God, we release those to you, and we just take your goodness and your mercy and your hope and your peace and your love and your grace. God, thank you that you see us. Thank you, Lord, that you see us in the worst times, and Lord, you see us in the best times, and you still love us through them. And so today, God, we give you glory for who you are. We give you praise. You are so good. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen Amen and amen. I'm Erin. Um, I grew up Catholic, um, grew, up in a, grew up in a Catholic home, went to a Catholic high school. Um, so grew up knowing about God, but feeling like I had a lot of questions um, and not a lot of answers. But I think really I was okay with that at the time. Um, my faith sort of felt like um, more of just something I was supposed to do um, growing up. So. You know, my 20s, I felt this pull of more with my faith um, and found some different church homes um, that definitely connected me and I was able to understand more, but really still feeling like there was more. Um, We started attending Reliance um, about a year and a half ago. Um, And I don't know if it was just timing or what it was, but I felt like every time Aaron would say, um, you know, your answers are in the Bible. Are you reading the Bible? Um, you know, are you opening your Bible? I felt just this immense amount of guilt um, because up until that point, I guess I was sort of relying on the experts um, to kind of tell me what I needed to know from the Bible. So pastors and just people who um, really were, you know, spending their lives reading the Bible. And I felt like, you know, that was their job to tell us what we needed to know out of the Bible. Um, So yeah, when I started feeling this guilt, um, I guess I started questioning like, you know, if this really is supposed to be a relationship, why am I not treating it like that? And so why am I not opening my Bible and why am I not um, searching for the answers on my own? Um, So that's what I did. I started uh, creating the time and the space uh, for just that. I would cry every time. Like I would just find myself sitting there and I would just be bawling and Nate can tell you that because he would walk out and I'd be crying. And he's like, gosh, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I just, I I, every time I would open it, I felt just awful that I had never done this before. Like I felt like, what is wrong with me? Like, why have I not ever done this? Like I sat here with God and, and learned about him and read the Bible, you know. And so, yeah, the longer I started reading it, the more I found like peace and like knowing 
I guess, yeah, accepting God's grace. Like that's kind of where that came in for me because at first it was just this immense amount of, I want to say guilt because I'm like, why have I never opened my Bible? (laughs) Sitting and just sitting with God and knowing that this is enough, you know, like not feeling like, you know, this is a starting place. I'm going to start here. I'm going to start reading my Bible. And then, you know, we'll see where that goes. But really, instead, it just became, this is enough. Like, this feels like home. And that was like an amazing feeling, you know, that like I'm still sitting in. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I love what Erin said there in her words. She said, like, I'm sitting there and I'm reading the word and it's enough. And here's what she said. For so long in my life, I I had relied on other people. She said, experts or pastors, like people who get paid for this, right, to tell me about who Jesus is. And then here I'm opening the word and I'm receiving the grace of God. I love her words. And like tears are flowing because it's like, it's like reading a love letter for someone who's going, I've been waiting for you to meet me your whole life, right? And she's reading it and he goes, and she just says the words. It was like when I would read it, I was home. I was just home and and it's still continuing on. This is what we're talking about today on this Easter Sunday of what it looks like to be raised to new life. It's about encountering the risen Savior. Come on, church, amen? It's about saying that he is enough, that that him rising from the dead is enough. It's not like, oh, there's that and, that's enough. He's enough. And so, man, I'm just encouraged to have you guys here today. And I want to say thank you for coming to the 11 o'clock service. 9.30, uh, we ran out of room. And I'm like, y'all know that Jesus is resurrected 11 too, right? And so I'm just telling you, I think there's a special encounter for you folks. I'm just saying. I just think there's a special encounter for you. But it, it, is, it is a testimony today. Um, that we're gonna listen to. We've got a tradition around here where there's two things that we wanna do on Easter every year. One, we wanna present the gospel message clearly, amen? We want you to hear the truth of how God values you and who you are. And two, we wanna partner that with testimonies of men and women in just everyday life of how encountering Jesus is changing their life. Aaron comes to you and she says, really what Jesus says in John chapter one, verse 38, he's got some disciples that are starting to ask questions of who this guy is. And in John 1, 38, it says, Jesus turned and he saw that these men were following. And he says these words, what are you seeking? I think that's a question for us today in the life of a church. What is it that we're seeking? Why are we here? What is it that we're doing? And then they, they said to him, rabbi, which means teacher, Where are you staying? Like what we're seeking is where it is that you're going. We want to know where you're going to be at. And Jesus says these famous words in in, in John 1, 39. He said to them, come and you will see me. And you will see. Come and you will see. It's an invitation in Jesus' ministry to say, if you want to know what I'm all about, come and you will see. It's an invitation to come and see, and I just believe today that this invitation is being extended to us today, that there is a come and see, and the Lord is going to show you when you come and see. That was Aaron's testimony. For a long time, I was just kind of sitting there, I was just kind of listening to what other people were saying, and then as I began to open up the word, the word was come and see, and she begins to experience the grace of God like never before, Amen. 
This is what the resurrection life looks like. It's an invitation from Jesus to come and see. And so as I said, the two things that we want you to know the most about today is the gospel and the power of a testimony in the gospel. And if we were just to get down to the point today, we're not here today to celebrate that winter has finally ended in Kansas because we honestly have no idea, amen? We're not here today to celebrate that we had a great resurrection Easter egg hunt. That was wonderful, but that's not why we're here to celebrate. Why we're here to celebrate today is because we believe Jesus Christ literally and physically was resurrected from the dead. We believe it. We don't think it's symbolism. It's not some good analogy that stands for something else. We believe that Jesus Christ was physically killed. And on Friday, when he was physically killed on a cross, was put in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. That's why we're here. And because we believe that, and because we've embraced that, there are implications that come with that. Because we believe that the God of the universe is not buried in a grave somewhere, but he's alive and he's powerful and he loves you, there are implications with that in our hearts. And so there are some things that we want to do some housework on today. Three things that I want you to take from today. Number one, that Jesus is alive. Everybody say, Jesus is alive. I want you to know that he is alive, not in good theory, but in reality. I want you to know he's alive. Number two, that you have freedom. Say, I have freedom. freedom. Now say it like your face is painted blue and you're William Wallace. I have freedom. Freedom. You have freedom. You have freedom in this place. I'm telling you right now, in Jesus Christ, you have freedom. And the last thing is, I have a testimony. Say, I have a testimony. Your testimony matters. Those three things are what I want to convey to you on this Easter 2022, that you, that you would know that Jesus is alive, that you would know that you have freedom, and that you would know that your testimony matters. I'm telling you right now, on Holy Wednesday, which was our Good Friday service, essentially, what we did over here on the cross was beautiful. We called people in to remember the the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, not just the physical side of it, but that the wrath of God had to be poured out on all sin. And that Jesus would willingly go to the cross. And so on that cross right there, people were nailing their sins to the cross. Shame, guilt, condemnation, all the things that were holding them down. And church, I just want you to hear this. I think for so long, we stay at the cross that's full of shame and guilt and forget that Jesus says that though your sins were as scarlet, I have cleansed you as white as snow. We dwell so much at the cross of shame, forgetting about the cross of freedom. And today, my prayer is that you move from this cross of shame to this cross of freedom, and that you would know that that work was done, broken, the chains fell off because of who Jesus is. That's what we care about today. And so number one, I want to convince you he's alive. Somebody say, he's alive. alive. Let me be straight with you. Matthew chapter 27 will mess you up, all right? Matthew chapter 27, starting with verse 51, Matthew is going to give a word about the crucifixion and the resurrection and what happened on that day. And here's what he's saying. From an eyewitness account, he's getting all the eyewitness accounts, and he writes this, and here's what Matthew says in verse 27 through 51, uh, uh, in chapter 27, verse 51. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. That's a big deal from top to bottom. And the earth shook 
and the rocks were split and the tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Freaky, right? And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, that's key. They didn't come out of their tombs till after the resurrection because Jesus is the first to rise from the dead. Amen. So after Jesus has risen from the dead, all of these people start coming out of their tombs. It says they went into the holy city. They appeared to many. And when the centurion soldiers, the soldiers that were supposed to be guarding Jesus, they were keeping watch over him. When they saw the earthquake and what had taken place, they were filled with awe. And they said, truly, this was the Son of God. Uh, You think, right? The first time I read this, Matt, Matt came in, I've read this a hundred times, but I don't know why this revelation has jumped out at us this year. Matt comes in and he goes, Aaron, 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 read Matthew 27. And I read it and I was like, what the what? What just happened? And, and I'm reading this and I'm like, you can't make this stuff up. If I'm trying to convince you and I'm trying to share a story with you, I don't start off in my story with, and so all these dead people came to life, okay? Because I've just lost half of you when I do that. Half of you are like, I'm out. This guy's crazy. So either Matthew was crazy and he didn't want anybody to believe his story or he was in his right mind and he's testifying to the truth of what everybody saw. All of these people come out of the tomb and they're not walking dead. They're not like resurrecting the walking dead that we all like to watch, right? These are not zombies, raggedy clothes, eyeballs sticking out, mumbling things. These are men and women coming out of their tombs, praising Jesus and testifying, the grave no longer holds us. And so we're seeing this revelation in Matthew chapter 27. We're seeing this revelation in what Jesus did then and what he's still doing today. It's showing the world that death has lost. It's showing the world that nothing holds us down in Christ Jesus. It's showing the world that his victory covers us, that the resurrection of Jesus is enough. It's enough for your addiction. It's enough for your marital issue. It's enough for your singleness. The resurrection of Jesus is enough for your rearing your children, raising your children, or not being able to have children yet. The resurrection of Jesus is enough for your doubts. It's enough for your anxiety. The resurrection of Jesus is enough for your fears. It's enough, church. The resurrection of Jesus is enough. And because he lives, you also live. Jesus is going to tell his disciples in John 14, yet in a little while the world will not see me anymore. He knew it was coming, but you will see me. And here's why. Because I live, Jesus says, you also will live. And in that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. This is why we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Had he died on a cross and never came out of the tomb, it would be a power, that, 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 that it would be a, an act that had no power to it. That he died on the cross and was put in a tomb and came out three days later, puts the power and the stamp of approval. Nothing defeats Jesus, amen? Amen. And because nothing defeats Jesus and he's inside of us, we walk in victory. Church, this is profound, what he's going to say and testify to in Romans 8, 11. Paul says these words, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and it does, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. 
If the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, what in the world are we worried about? Amen? And so, at this point in Matthew 27, Matthew's trying to point us to something that the, that the crucifixion and resurrection means something profound in our life. It's not about good thoughts to follow. It's not about just good morals to be had. It's about a brand new life. This story in Matthew 27 is bringing us to a place of reestablishing who we are, reestablishing what we're called to, reestablishing the inheritance that we have in Christ. But there were three acts Three different things that we read about here in Matthew 27 that happened. The very first one was the veil was torn in half. Caleb, can I get you and a buddy? Can you help me out again? Caleb Lowry? It's Caleb Lowry. No Caleb Lowry. All right, I'll just take you two right there. You two on the end. Yep, you two. Come up here real fast. Will you grab that blue that blue uh, sheet of paper over there. The veil being torn was profound. I want to show you an imagery of this, man. I, I was thinking about what it was like when the veil was torn. All right, come on up here, guys. Yep, come on up here. I was thinking about what it was like when the veil was torn. And, and this profound statement was this. In Jesus' time, come on over here. Yep, good job. Awesome, awesome. Hold it. Yep, right there. There was this veil, and behind the veil is where the presence of God dwelt, right? Because if the presence of God was out amongst the people, they'd all die, because he was holy and we were sinners. And so the, the priest would be able to go in one time a year and make a sacrifice on behalf of the people. And so all of the people of God longed to be where his presence was, but they couldn't because there was a veil here. And so I was praying about this this week, and I'm like, Lord, what was that like? And the only imagery that I thought was all of the people of God were going, oh, that we could just be in your presence, and God is going, but you can't. And so why the veil being torn was so profound was it was like God's people going, oh, that we could just get in. And God on this side going, oh, it's not about you getting in, it's about me getting out. And in that moment, when Jesus said, it is finished, I have this picture. Have you seen football players run through the banners? You better hold this tight, fellas, all right? And they run through, and there's this, like, fierceness when they, they don't go, oh, oh, it's too difficult. They come through, and they shred it, and then they go, this is my house, right? And I picture the Lord. Thank you. You guys were amazing on this. Thank you. They come through it, and, and they shred it, and they go, this is my house. And the Lord is going, I'm not worried about you trying to get to me. I'm going to come to you. And I'm going to make my house inside of you. This is what it was like when the veil was torn. The presence of God that was housed in the Holy of Holies goes, oh, I'm coming after you and I'm going to be fierce about it. And here we are, believers going, I don't know. I kind of like Jesus from time to time. He's like, oh, I'm about to overwhelm you. Amen. This is why the veil being torn was so important. It was a prophecy that Ezekiel prophesied in, in Ezekiel 36 and 37, where he says these words, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. You will live. It's the prophecy being fulfilled. His presence would now dwell inside of man and woman. It's beautiful. Amen, church? But it wasn't the only thing that happened. It says the veil was torn, but it also said there was an earthquake. If you read scripture, you'll see earthquakes throughout throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament. And almost every time there was a shaking, the Lord would put his word on it. And he says, I'm shaking the earth because I'm establishing something new. 
And so you see two earthquakes in this time of Jesus, in this crucifixion and resurrection. One was at his crucifixion when he cries, it is finished, and it says the earth shook. And at the very end of those three days, when he's resurrected and the stone rolled away from the tomb, it says there was an earthquake and the stone rolled away. Two earthquakes, and in that moment, God is saying, I'm establishing everything new. What was is no longer. The power that once held you no longer holds you. The things that the enemy was feeding you no longer holds you down again. Amen? And so in that one swift moment of that earthquake, the Lord is reminding his body, the church, that shaking that's happening, I'm making all things new. How do I know that? Because 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, behold, if anyone be found in Christ, what's it say? The old is gone and the new has come, begun. The new is here. He also says it in Revelation 21, 5, he who sits on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. That shaking at the crucifixion was a shaking to remind hell you've lost. And that shaking at the, at the resurrection was to remind the world, I have come to give you life. And not just any life, but life in abundance. Whatever was once holding you down no longer holds you down. There's something new in your life today. There's something new in your life today. But it wasn't just the veil. It wasn't just the earthquake. It was the last part of that. The third thing that happened during that Matthew 27 event was that dead people came out. And why did dead people come out and now they were made alive? It's because the Lord was showing us in that moment what Colossians 3, 1 says. Since you have been raised to new life, set your sights on the realities of heaven. There's something now that you need to understand. Those people coming out of the tomb are you and I today coming out of our tombs because of the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. And because he was raised from the dead, so it is that we are raised to new life in him. So set your eyes on the realities of heaven because we've been raised to new life with Christ. Amen, church. Amen. He is alive. And that's why you're here today. You're here today not because of coincidence. You're here today not because somebody invited you. You're here right now because God has been wooing your heart. I believe that with all of my heart. God has been drawing you in and wooing your heart. John 6, says these words. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up at the last day. God has been stirring something in you for this moment. He wasn't repulsed by you. He didn't, he didn't think negative things about you, but rather he came to rescue you. We love John 3, 16. It's our favorite right? It's everywhere. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But there's something that we need to get today. Right after John 3, 16 comes John 3, 17. The son of man did not come to condemn the world, but rather to save the world. So why in the world do we still live in condemnation and shame? Because we're still dwelling at the cross that Jesus dealt with, then not coming to the cross of freedom today, church. We're still hanging on to our sin and shame, nailing to the cross over and over and over, forgetting that we've been washed white as snow. We're still dwelling at the cross, believing that somehow there's got to be something else that I've got to do, forgetting that everything has already been done in him. And it's time to walk in freedom, which is why after we believe that he is alive, we believe that he gives us freedom. And this is it right here. He gives us freedom. 
Jesus cried out in these words, it is finished. And in those words, he wasn't conceding defeat. It wasn't like, oh, I give up. He wasn't conceding defeat when he says it is finished. He was declaring victory over all of the enemy with that shout. It's done. Leave him alone. It's done. It's final. I've paid for them. I've bought them with the price. You have no more authority over them. This is what Jesus is saying when he's yelling out, it is finished. The curse in that moment was broken. Now, we don't get to all see what happens from from, from that Friday to Sunday. We get to see bits and pieces. We read about it throughout Scripture, what Jesus was doing in that moment, setting the captives free. But I can tell you from that Friday to Sunday, in that moment, those three days, however he did it, Jesus was stripping power away from Satan. He was taking back the keys. He was stripping the things away from Satan that Satan once held over us, which was death and sin and shame and condemnation. And Jesus is stripping that away from him. And he's saying to you and I today, now whatever power you think that Satan holds over you is alive from the pit of hell. The lies that you believe about yourself, the lies that you believe that you'll never measure, the lies that you believe that God can never heal, the lies that you believe that you'll never walk in victory, those are lies from the pit of hell because Jesus said it in this moment where he goes in and he strips that power away. How do I know that? Because in Matthew 28, Jesus is going to give us a great commission. And he's going to use these words, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's what Jesus says. And now I tell you to go. And here's what we read about in Colossians 2.15, that Jesus disarmed the rulers and the powers by triumphing over them on the cross. Church, let me just say this again. Whatever power you think that Satan holds over your life is alive from the pit of hell because Jesus came to strip him of that power. It's why he deceives you, it's why he lies to you, and he tries to keep you in a place of dwelling on the lies and deception, because he knows when you find out the reality that Christ is risen, and we have risen in Christ, he knows that he's, I was gonna say screwed, but I don't know if I can say it on Easter, he's done, he's done, it's over. I'm telling you right now, he wants you, Satan wants you to stay at the foot of this cross of shame, guilt, and condemnation. And Jesus said, no, 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 don't don't forget, I got off of that cross, I got put in a tomb, and I came out, and I'm alive. And this is what the cross looks like now. It's a cross of freedom. It's a cross that says, though your sins were as scarlet, and they were, I have washed them white as snow. Do you believe that today, church? There's freedom in that. It's why in 2 Corinthians 3.16, he says, whenever someone turns to the Lord, The veil is taken away, for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Ah, we love that. You can't help it. When the Spirit of the Lord there, there's just freedom. When the Lord shows up and his spirit is there, it's just freedom. There's freedom in the house. That's why in this room today, you saw people with flags. You saw the youth doing their thing. You saw Matt. I felt like Matt was about to break his mic. He was so excited, right? Like, there was freedom in the house. Matt's like, everybody dance. And some of you are like, I don't dance, right? There was just freedom in the house. Lord, you saved us and you set us free. And so there's freedom. Now, I want to say this to you because I think this is important. This is why he draws us to an empty tomb. So many of us in our life with Jesus, we've been hanging on the fact that we pray to prayer. When I was 10 years old and 15 years old or 20 years old, I I prayed a prayer and I've been hanging on this experience that I prayed a, a, a sinner's prayer, but we have not yet seen the risen king. 
We've prayed that prayer. Great, that's awesome. Amen. But there's so much more than just praying a prayer when you were 10 or 15 or 20. There's so much more to experience in life with him. And my prayer today is that you experience that with him. That's why we go to an empty tomb, because it wasn't about a prayer. It was about meeting a resurrected Savior. Now, I want to address this. We address this, I feel like, every Easter um, but I think it's critical to the life of the church. And so I think it's important to address every single year. There are many times where we're, where we're after fixing symptoms. And, and we get caught believing that the problem in humanity is that we have this list of immoral behaviors. And if you just do better in those, um, then that's what it's going to take. I just got to do better at this behavior. I just got to do better at this behavior. I just got to do better at this behavior. The problem when we're just trying to fix immoral behavior is simply this. We're trying to play Savior and we're telling him we don't need you as Savior. And so this is not what Easter is all about. It's not about you going, hey, just fix yourself and be a little bit better. Just fix yourself, dust some things off and just be a a little bit better because what we're saying then is the cross was not needed, I'll just do better. And I'm telling you, if you think about it from this imagery, how many guys are doing yard work right now at spring? Any yard work people out there? Oh yeah, like five of you, that's awesome. Right? You're doing yard work, and all of a sudden you see your neighbor's yard, and he's got the pristine grass, and you've got weeds. So what do you do because you have weeds? Do you spray them? No, you just simply mow over them, right? Because for at least two or three days, my yard's going to look just as good as his now. The problem is three days later, what happens? Those weeds come back up, so we got to mow over them again. The weeds come back up. What we're doing is this. We're trying to go after just simply the symptom, which is I'm just going to keep mowing over the weeds so that it looks good here, but it's not clean inside here. And Jesus says, I didn't come to make you look good out here. I came to redeem you and save you from in here. Do you believe that? Then I'm going to tell you right now, church, There are so many times where we have these houses of God packed full of people and we're working on symptoms rather than treating the disease. And the disease is not to be a better version of myself. The disease is that I need to cling to a cross and pin my shame to the cross because Jesus dealt with it there and I need to walk over here to a place of freedom and live the life of freedom that he's called me to. I need him. And then the last thing is simply this, testimonies. Easter is about encouraging you that you have a testimony, an encounter with Jesus Christ. Revelation 12.10 says these words. It says, it has come at last salvation and power in the kingdom of God and the authority of Christ Jesus for the accuser who Satan of the brothers and sisters has been thrown down to the earth and the one who accuses them before God night and day and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb. Jesus' blood defeated him. But look what else they say. And by their what? testimony I'm testifying to you today you're going to testify to somebody today that the blood of Jesus covers you and because of that you've been set free the word of their testimony testified to what Jesus had done this is key because our testimony is partnered with the gospel and the gospel is partnered with us you're going to read this throughout scripture especially in the book of acts you're going to see wherever they went they took the gospel message and they shared how the gospel message changed and transformed their life can i tell you why that is because we love when people testify to a product it's why we really love to hate infomercials right we 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 don't like infomercials but sometimes we get sucked into them you know what i'm talking about And all of a sudden, what they do on those infomercials is they're selling their product, and they go, listen to these eyewitness testimonies, and all these people are going, it's the greatest thing ever, and something, you're like, that's so dumb, you're like, I want it, I want it, I want it, right? 
It's why we bought an air fryer. I watched an infomercial five, six years ago. I was like, we got to have one, babe. Somebody said it was the greatest thing ever. Let me just tell you, it is the greatest thing ever. (laughs) It's why I use it all the time, right? Because somebody testified. And now I'm thinking, we've got the greatest treasure inside of us in Christ Jesus who was dead and was resurrected from the grave. And here we are going, I just don't know if I want to testify to that. Come on. I don't, I, I've, I've got the greatest thing inside of me, and I'm going, uh, I'm going to have to let somebody else figure out who that is, right? This is what we're doing right now, church. We're sharing testimonies because there's a God who's alive, who lives inside of us, and he's doing something. Amen. He's raising the dead things back to life. Oh, man, did I spit on you? I apologize for that. <laughs> and it comes down to what Aaron talked about. Seeing him. You see, she got invited in to come and see. That's what Jesus did at the start. Come and see. Just come and see. Come and see. Come and see. And then as Aaron came and sat there and opened her word and saw, God began to move in her life. And that come and see became, I have seen. I've seen him. This is the testimony that we read all through Matthew chapter 28's account and John 20's account. It's going, there there you will see me. You will see him. He's alive. You will see him. I love this story in John chapter 20. Mary Magdalene, first one on the scene at the tomb. She's weeping because she's just encountered an angel that said, he's not here. Why are you here? He's not here. He's alive, just like he said he was going to be. So she doesn't know what that means. She's weeping. She turns, has an encounter with the guy that she thinks is the gardener. When she looks up, she's like, oh, my gosh, it's Jesus. (laughs) And he begins to download. I told you I was going to rise from the dead. Go back and tell all of my brothers that I'm alive, and I'm going to come and meet them. And Mary runs back, and in John chapter 20, verse 18, she says the most profound words that we should read about in the crucifixion uh, and the resurrection. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Five words that changed her life. Five words that broke through all of the enemy's schemes to try to kill him. Five words that remind us today, he is not dead. He is alive. I have seen the Lord. Have you seen him? Have you seen? Are you living off what somebody else is telling you? Or have you seen the Lord? Mary's running back to tell the brothers, I've seen the Lord. She's not running back with information. I learned so much at Vacation Bible School. I learned so much at Life Group. That's great information. But she's running back with information that just came alive in the person of Jesus. He's alive. He's real. And And he talked to me. And now I'm going to tell you, he's coming. This is Mary and the 500 who saw Jesus when he came back. And Paul's testimony, we've seen him, we've felt him, we've encountered him, we've seen the Lord. Look, there are many ways that we encounter the Lord and we can see the Lord. In his goodness, and his works, and all of his things that he does, there's many ways. I saw the Lord this morning. I've seen the Lord. We've been on that 40-day Daniel fast. You guys remember that for the church? So 40 days, no meats, no sweets. Different people did different fasts. But the Daniel fast was no meats, no sweets. So for 40 days, I did not get to taste steak. I just want you to know I needed a resurrection. Amen? So 40 days, no meats, no sweets. And I'm sitting there, and, 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 and a brother, I, I get to the church really early on Sundays. And so about 3.30 in the morning, I get this text from, from a guy. He goes, hey, I saw your light was on in your office. Um, go outside to the front doors. I left you a little treat. And I was like, well, this is awkward. Is this like a setup and somebody going to do something to me or what? 
And I go out there and laying on the ground is a bottle of water and this, this hot steaming plate. And I open it up. This brother got up at 3.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning and made a steak for me. Seared it. Mm. I had seen the Lord. I'm eating steak at 4 a.m. going, Lord, this, woo, right? Potato, it was amazing. Now, I know it's, we're laughing about it, but I'm telling you, that little gesture right there allowed me to see the love of Christ that somebody poured out on a morning where I was going, oh, steak, right? In that one moment, you've got stories like that. We're like, I don't know, somebody just dropped this thing. Somebody did, like I saw God maneuver here. It could be a thousand different ways, but we get to see the Lord through those thousand different ways, amen? There's a video I wanna show you of testimonies. These are everyday men and women, and they're, they're not just like, you know, I was on the streets and broken. I love the stories of radical life change, but I also love the stories of everyday men and women who just simply get to encounter the risen Savior being raised to new life just through little things that he shows them. And so as you listen to these testimonies, these are men and women that are just testifying to these little things the Lord is showing them, and it's building faith in them. Check these out. Hi, my name's Tim Johnson. My wife, Joni, and I have been coming to Reliance here for the last year and a half or so. A uh, little bit of a rough patch before we got here, uh, but the Lord's just been awesome. This place has been wonderful. Uh, just to see the joy that Jesus is bringing so many people here, and it's just something that, that we're glad to be a part of. Been going to the men's Bible study uh, and just pressing in, and it's just crazy how some of these prayers that I've been praying have been answered. I've actually invited people to church. I'm just getting this confidence in Jesus that I've never had before. And uh, it's overwhelming, but it's awesome. And I just, happy Easter, everybody. Hi, I'm Allie Rosenhammer. And after spending a few years in the Word, I really felt a nudge from the Holy Spirit to find a community of like-minded believers for my family and I. And so we started coming to Reliance in December and quickly we're receiving so many blessings from God. One of them being that we found a place that we could completely open up our hearts. So I've been able to do that with my husband and with my kids and with those around me. And for that, I just feel so thankful that I have a place that I can come to whenever I need. And I also know that my I've been completely renewed in Jesus's promises for me in my life. Hi, my name's Tyler Rosenhammer. Um, my wife's Allie Rosenhammer, and we've been coming to Reliance for a handful of months now. And ever since coming, uh, we have just felt a large increase of uh, love in our hearts, uh, energy that we haven't experienced before, and just a, a true presence of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ in our life. Um, super blessed because of this. Uh, and again, I, I just feel like our life is, is just now beginning, um, now that we truly are walking with Christ and nothing but happy for it. 
My name is Christine Hayden, and um, my husband Bo and I, we have been coming to Reliance for a little bit over a year. And during this past year, uh, God has really done some amazing things in my life personally, as well as in our family. Um, I know personally we join an equipping group, and um, God has challenged me to be able to learn to pray uh, in front of uh, people, to be able to share my testimony, and be able just to open up when in years past growing up in the church, I never was able to do that. Um, God has been showing me that it's okay to give things up and to allow Him to be in control and just know that He has everything planned out and that it's not my job to figure it out. And if I just surrender everything to Him, um, that everything will fall into place. During this resurrection season, it's really been about the three R's for us. Um, rejuvenation, renovation, and restoration. And with that, really the rejuvenation is, is that for a while there I was just dead in my faith. Um, and over the past year it's really been about just a rejuvenation from people pouring into our lives, not only just uh, individually but corporately with our family and our kids. Uh, from a renovation perspective, much like you would renovate a house, um, you, you start to tear down pieces and you try to make it and build it better. Um, and, and with that, each kind of piece that I was tearing apart, it got deeper and deeper. And, you know, we were unpacking a lot of things this over this last course of the 12 months. And during the season, I just really want to be, you know, extremely thankful that through this renovation process, I've also realized that it is a part of restoration as well. And when we restore things, it's really about bringing it back and better to life, not necessarily letting it be dead. 2021 might have been the hardest year of my whole life. Um, I spent an extended amount of time in the hospital and 12 of those days were in um, ICU, and that was due to COVID. The scariest part was the time in ICU, and when the doctors came to me and said, Christy, we're doing everything we can, I knew at that point um, the only one that would bring me out of that was, was Jesus. And I knew he could, and I knew he would. And um, from that day, I um, began to improve and because I prayed so very much and I had so many people praying for me, I believe the prayer and the storming of heaven with those prayers is what brought me through. I believe Jesus is the reason I'm here today and every morning I wake up, I am thankful, so very thankful to see the sunrise or see the snow or see the rain. I don't care what it's doing outside. I'm just thrilled. What's going on, everybody? My name is David. And recently in my life, the Lord has just been showing me what intimacy with Him really is about. As I read Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, uh, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount that on the day of the kingdom of heaven, people will come to Him and say, Lord, did we not do all these things in Your name? And He will say, depart from me, for I never knew You. And that word knew, when I read it, it just jumps off the page to me, and I start to question and ask myself, do I know Jesus? Do I know Him? Do I know Him personally, not just from what the pastors tell me, what my friends may tell me, but do I know Him on an intimate level? And that for me is what the Lord has really been showing and putting in my heart. Hi, my name is Jay, and I just wanted to take a minute and share with you a testimony of what the Lord has done in my son's life and how He's used that to um, renew my faith and encourage my faith and build my faith, as well as encourage and build His. He has struggled with nearsighted vision um, nearly all of his life, as far as we can tell. He's seven years old now, 
and um, he's had numerous pairs of prescription glasses over the years. And as a youngster, he has experienced many, many different broken uh, glasses and damage and fallen off and stepped on. And um, out of frustration, uh, late last fall, I decided to just begin to pray for him and ask God to heal his eyes. Um, the cost of the prescription glasses was too much. And uh, as our nightly routine and prayer, prayer routine at night with the kiddos before bed, I began to incorporate that prayer into his time and ask God to heal his eyes. We ended up going into his annual eye exam in December and um, the eye doctor began to put him through the tests and, and procedures necessary to kind of go through um, where he might be with his vision today. And um, both of us kind of watched in more and more amazement as, t as the testing went on that Jesse truly was able to see. Um, and um, at some point along that test, the eye doctor asked me uh, or made a comment about he can't believe what he's seeing and um, ended up with that eye exam in 2021, identifying his vision as being 2020. Come on. This is what it looks like to be raised to do life with Christ. It can be that, man, he's just simply building my confidence. It can be that I saw a healing. I love one of the things he said, like I started praying for my son out of frustration. How many of us pray for our kids out of frustration? It's okay. God still answers. It can be like I was praying for peace. I, I was praying to know him, just to know him. Lord, I want to know you. I was praying for restoration. I was praying for just, uh, I had fears and worries, and I just had to surrender things to the Lord. I mean, so many of those testimonies are our everyday testimonies. And these men and women are saying, just in the simplest way, I have seen the Lord. I've seen him. In this room today, there are testimonies. Testimonies of whether you know it or not, he's the one who brought you through. Testimonies of he's the one who was that voice that you're like, I think that's my conscience, and he's the one whispering in your ear, going, just keep going, you've got this. He's the one that when nobody saw you in your time of despair, you kept hearing that voice speaking tenderly to your heart. You're okay. You're going to be okay. We're going to make it. He's the one who broke the chains, who broke the depression, who lifted your head when you couldn't lift your head. He's the one. So we've got this God who is alive, alive, inside of us, setting us free from the shame, guilt, and condemnation that we so easily hang on to. Setting us free to run to the cross where he says, I've disarmed the enemy and I've triumphed over him by victory on the cross. So who dares to condemn you, scripture will say, no one. does he set us free but he gives us a testimony a testimony to share with others he's alive he's alive let me tell you how he's alive will you stand up with me today church will you extend your hands out I just want to pray over you on this Easter 2022 that you would know that he is alive that you would know his freedom 
that you would know your testimony matters and that today you would be able to say in your life I have seen the Lord so father we pray in Jesus name by the power of the Holy Spirit you are alive you are alive you are alive and I pray that today God somebody in this house who feels like they are dead they are dead they are dead dead God in the wilderness dead God in the desert dead God in their marriage dead God in their confidence dead God in their anxieties I pray that today you would break through the dead and you would resurrect life in them today Jesus I pray that today God you would fill this body of believers with the freedom of Jesus that we would no longer have to hang at a cross full of shame and guilt and condemnation because you disarmed that cross and you set us free and you've clothed us with your righteousness. And so I pray freedom over the house. And then God, I pray for a testimony, a testimony that I have seen the Lord would birth forth from this place and God would break out of this house and we would share it with the nations, Jesus. You're alive. You've set me free. And I'm going to tell the world about it. We pray these things. Thanks for tuning in today. To find out how to get more involved, go to reliancecommunity.org. Have a great week.